Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Dr. Bo Bruce. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. We have been discussing the last few weeks the Sunday Mass readings of the season of Septuagesima Tide and Lent are tied deeply to an Old Testament scriptural sequence that recounts the entire history of human salvation from Adam to Christ through Noah, Abraham, Moses, and others. This entire sequence will be recapitulated during the Easter Vigil, and the Church is preparing us for that powerful service that we're approaching week by week. As we also discussed, it would be easy to miss the fact that this Old Testament sequence is tied to our readings because it's going on in Matins, a service of readings in the daily office. And were it not for the Magnificat Antiphon at Saturday Vespers, we might not be aware of this. The Antiphon this week was, Mighty Abraham, the father of our faith, offered a burnt offering upon the altar instead of his son. This Antiphon announces a connection between those Matin readings about Abraham and today's gospel passage. This Antiphon provides one immediate connection. Recall that Isaac, Abraham's son, was miraculously born by Sarah in their old age. And that birth fulfilled God's promise to Abraham that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky and as sand on the seashore. And more importantly, that through Abraham's offspring, all nations on earth would be blessed. Why did God make that promise to Abraham? that all the nations of the earth would be blessed through his offspring. Because, as God himself said, Abraham obeyed God. It is Abraham's obedient faith that we will focus on today. In fact, we're going to talk about blind faith. We hear this term batted around fairly frequently. And unfortunately, we hear it used most often with negative connotations of an uncritical acceptance, an unquestioning belief a lack of sophistication, and perhaps foolishness and gullibility. Many would see in Abraham's willingness to sacrifice his son as God commanded him, that very son of the promise that honestly Abraham and Sarah had had their doubts about even ever showing up, as blind faith. And that's not in any good connotation, right? It seems to be the work of a madman. And yet we know that God provided the alternate alternate at that critical moment. But in that test of Abraham, God knew that Abraham truly trusted him, that Abraham was indeed worthy of God's promise to bless all the nations of the earth through Abraham's offspring. So while we often use blind faith to mean something negative, unquestioning, we as Christians must recognize that blind faith is the only kind of faith there is. The author of Hebrews says in chapter 11, verse 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So it sounds like faith is defined by blindness. If you've seen it, it isn't faith. Jesus himself says to Thomas, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. However, faith isn't about believing in something false as those who like to use blind faith in the pejorative sense mean. In Hebrew, the word for faith 
Amuna and true Emmet derive from the same word, Amun, which means to confirm or support something. We use another derivative of that word, Amon, in our prayers every time. Indeed, it can be a prayer itself. Amen. Faith and truth are intimately related. And yet one of the most curious aspects of today's gospel is that, that, is that it appears to be composed of two unrelated stories. One of Christ's prophecy about his passion and resurrection, and the other about the healing of a blind man. And yet Abraham and blind faith connect those two passages and relate these stories together so that we can see their common message. Just a few verses after the writer of Hebrews defines faith in chapter 11, verse 1, he says in verse 8, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance. And as he went out, he went not knowing where he was going. Abraham went at God's command, even though he had no idea where he was going. That sounds like blind faith to me. And what do we hear from Jesus' prophecy today? Well, Jesus said to his 12 disciples, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem where, all, where everything will be fulfilled, but not the way you imagined it. No, instead, I'll be delivered up to the Gentiles, tortured, killed, but I'll rise on the third day. And this was why they went with him? No. The text said they didn't understand any of this. The saying was hidden from them. They were blind, and yet they went. They followed Jesus on faith. Unless you think that faith means no doubts, well, we know from the parallel tellings of this prophecy that Peter took Jesus aside and told him there was no way he'd let this happen to him, to which our Lord famously quipped, get behind me, Satan. Sometimes we see that we can be so blind that we think we know better. And that's where we get away from that truth that is captured in the word faith. Faith is about truth. We have to trust that God knows what he's doing. And here the disciples trusted Jesus when they followed him. Even Peter turned his doubts around pretty quickly. And they all went on to Jerusalem, even though they did not understand what they were getting themselves into. The second part of the passage is literally about blind faith. Here we have a blind man who let no, let no one get in the way of his faith. He couldn't see Jesus, yet he believed. He did not let anything stand in the way of his faith that Jesus could restore his physical sight. And why did the Lord grant his request? In it, we hear the echoes of God's words to Abraham. Your faith has saved you. The man wanted his sight back, and he got it, but he also got more. His faith saved him. And we know that word in Greek is sozo. It means to make well, to make whole to restore one to the state they were made to be. It's not just a physical or spiritual thing, it's both. This man, through faith, not only, had not only his sense of physical sight restored, but his spiritual sight. And with that new sight, he also followed Jesus. Ultimately, the disciples would receive the same illumination through their faith, but theirs would need to await Christ's resurrection. So here we stand just a few days before our Lenten spiritual journey begins on Ash Wednesday. So how does this inform that journey? 
Like Abraham, we are called to leave our homeland and follow God, even though we don't know where it will take us. We are called, like the disciples, to a road that will likely lead us to some dark and challenging places. As we hopefully will spend this Lenten journey truly examining our souls. We are called to take up our cross and follow our Lord into Jerusalem and to die to this world. We must have faith, even blind faith, to undertake that journey. Lent is a time of faith. It is a season of obedience. The church tells us several things we must do. For example, we must participate in fasting and abstinence. That means from Ash Wednesday until Easter, except on Sundays, we are to eat no meat, no meat juices, and no meat byproducts. Yes, chicken is meat, and I'm sorry to inform you, bacon is too. If possible, we should limit ourselves to one full meal and a light informal meal during the day. And of course, small children and the elderly are not held to this. And if one has a health problem or other concern about this, you should talk to Father Michael. The church is not here to make you sick or to make your life miserable. It's here to teach us that through this discipline, one important thing among many others, and that's obedience. When's not a time to choose what you're fasting from? In retrospect, I realized that there was nothing sillier that I participated in as a pre-Orthodox Christian than choosing what I would give up for Lent. It's totally backwards to say that I'm going to give up chocolate for Lent or coffee or social media, or as I often like to joke, I'm giving up self-control for Lent. This is not to say these are not noble things. Well, all but the self-control part. They certainly can be, especially if you're truly addicted to chocolate or caffeine. However, they should be supplemental to the part you're told to do, the part about obedience that the church gives you. Because without giving up your self-will, one cannot have faith. If we make the rules, we're not trusting in God, just ourselves. When we make the rules, we're seeing everything, or perhaps worse, we think we're seeing everything when we're still blind. It can get us into some pretty serious trouble. And I'll even go so far as to say that if you're thinking about doing some additional things for Lent that you'd like to make a part of that Lenten discipline this year, great. But I think it would be better to talk to Father Michael and get his blessing. And even though I imagine he'll say yes, maybe he won't. And in so doing, just by asking, you're practicing obedience. The church also tells us that we should redouble our efforts to pray more and to be giving to those around us. And never forget as easy it is, that almsgiving doesn't always involve giving money or stuff to other people. Sometimes the most important alms you can give are assistance with some menial task or some kind words to your family and friends. So my brothers and sisters in Christ, let us have blind faith that someone in this world knows more than we do about what is best for us. Let us trust the Holy Spirit working in the church to guide us into all truth, and may our spiritual eyes be open this Lenten season so that we too can be completely healed, mind, body, and soul by our loving Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.